The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years' experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy, he's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Good afternoon, folks. This is Steve Moore. This is the More Money Show on WBC Talk Radio. I hope everybody is having a wonderful weekend. It is a nice day along the East Coast. I'm actually in uh, the beautiful state of Florida today, broadcasting from West Palm Beach, where it is 80 degrees and sunny, but I think it's sunny uh, most of the East Coast. So thank you so much for joining us, and especially thank you for our regular listeners, because um we have great ratings now on this show, The More Money Show, and I'm just so privileged to be able to talk to you all every Saturday afternoon from 1 to 2. And I'm privileged to follow my good friend Larry Kudlow uh, and his great show, Kudlow, which is on, as you all know, from 10 to 1. So I want to get right down to it. But by the way, before I get right down to it, I want to remind everyone, please, 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 Sign up for the Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline. It is an emailed little news letter that comes out every morning with five items that you can read in five minutes. It is a very short thing. We have a humor item. We have an economic item. We have some political items. But if you want to be the smartest person in the room, folks, get the Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline. And here is the best part about it. I'm not selling you anything, folks. I'm not trying to get a hand of your money because this hotline is absolutely free. It costs nothing. We don't have advertising or anything. We just want to make sure that people who, of all political stripes, but especially if you're a lover of freedom and free enterprise, as I think most of you are because you wouldn't be listening to the show if you didn't, then you should get the Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline. Just go to the Committee to Unleash Prosperity um, website and sign up for it for free, and we will start sending it to you five mornings a week. And if you don't like it, just unsubscribe. But I think you will like it. I, we get so many, so much um, positive feedback from our readers who say, finally somebody's calling it like it is, and that's what we try to do with the hotline. Okay, I want to talk in these few opening minutes about something that uh, I've been involved in for, I don't know, 12 or 13 or 14 years now. Uh, one of my favorite organizations is called ALEC. And if you don't know what ALEC is, it's an organization that represents conservative, free market state legislators around the country, like 3,000 of them. And uh, what we've done every year for, I think this is our 13th or 14th version, I've lost track, we do something called Rich States four states, where we rank the states in terms of which ones have the best economic policies for jobs, for investment, for buying a home, for good schools, and all the things that matter 
when you decide where to live and which states have the worst policies. And so the 14th edition just came out uh, on Thursday, I believe it was. So I wanted to give to you all the information because I think it's very valuable. If you're feeling uh, footloose and fancy free, you might want to move out of the Northeast, because I think most of our listeners are in the Northeast, um, you may want to do that. Because I, first of all, I'm going to give you a, the six or seven states that have the worst economic record and the worst economic policies in place. Okay? The very worst out of all 50 states, well, 51, because we include uh, Washington, D.C. So out of all 51, the absolute worst is, are you ready? Drum roll, please. I think most of you can guess, New York State. New York State is ranked the worst state for starting a business, for having more take-home pay, for buying a home, for investing in. New York is hostile to the free enterprise system. It has the most regulations, the highest taxes, the most government employees, uh, the most burdensome rules about what you can do when you uh, build a business, the most... um, uh, rules that deal with the unions, which in so, in so many ways run the state. New York is worse, folks. Second worst is Vermont. I know we have a lot of listeners in Vermont. Third worst is Minnesota. Are you ready for the fourth state? It's another neighboring state of New York. New Jersey is ranked the fourth worst state in the country. My home state of Illinois is ranked the fifth worst state for starting a business or having more take-home pay. And then he's ready for the sixth, let's see, one, two, three, the sixth worst state is California. And so, gee, what do all these states have in common? California, Illinois, New Jersey, Minnesota, Vermont, New York. Oh, yeah, they're run by Democrats. They're blue states. Blue states are taking away your freedoms, folks, day after day after day after day. By the way, I know we have a lot of listeners in Connecticut, Connecticut is ranked the 12th worst state. So it's not as bad as New York or New Jersey, but it's pretty bad in terms of um, promoting the ideas of freedom and free enterprise that I think we all hold dear. Now, you're probably wondering, well, okay, what are the best states? Where are the states that make a lot of sense to start a business, to invest in, to buy a home, to send your kids to school to, to, to start your career? Uh, here they are. Are you ready? Drum roll, please. Number one state. It has been the number one state for 13 years now in our rankings. The number one state in the country is Utah. Utah. I don't know. Something about the Mormons, but they get it right. By the way, I just got back from uh, Utah. I was in um, Salt Lake last um, week. We were doing some skiing out there and just had a wonderful time. It's a beautiful state, incredibly beautiful, and it is pro-business. Second best state is the Tar Heel state of North Carolina. Third best state for doing business and for making a living is Arizona, then Idaho, then Oklahoma, and then some of the other states. Florida is not number one. It's number nine, although they did have the best performance over the last 10 years. So anyway, I thought that was really an interesting um, configuration of the states. Blue states are states where freedom is in jeopardy. Red states are states where you can run a business, and and you're not going to have a lot of interference from government. Now, um, what is sort of interesting about this study is that uh, Governor Gavin Newsom, who is the governor of California, just put out a major television buy, and he's he's got a $15 million pack, and he's saying that California is a freedom state. 
He's saying freedom prevails in California, and it's the red states that are taking away your freedom. But wait a minute. (laughs) California is a freedom state? Guess what state had the strictest lockdowns during COVID? Uh, Well, let's see. The states with the strictest lockdowns were Illinois, California, and New York. Hmm, That doesn't sound too free that you're shutting down your businesses, shutting down your schools, telling businesses they can't operate. Uh, Those states have the strictest lockdowns. Those states also have uh, forced union policies. Those are states that require people to join a union if they want to work in a, a factory or a construction project. So there's no worker freedom in those states because if you want to have a job in a uh, union facility, you have to join the union and pay union dues. Does that sound like freedom to you? I don't think so. And then I'll give you one other example, if I may. Then, of course, there is the issue of uh, school choice. Do parents have the opportunity to go to any school that they want to? Well, none of the blue states have school choice. Not New York, not New Jersey, not Minnesota, not Maine, not Maryland, Rhode Island, not Connecticut. But the six states that do have uh, freedom of choice are states like Utah, are states like um, Arizona, are states like North Dakota, are states like Florida. So how could anybody in their right mind say that the blue states are freedom states? They are not freedom states. They are anti-freedom states. And I'm telling you, folks, if you want to prosper in this country, the best place to do it, unfortunately, is outside of blue states and blue cities. Look at what's happened to San Francisco. Look what's happened to um, Seattle. Look what's happening to Portland, New York, Chicago. Just had a heartbreaking election where a radical leftist is now the mayor of New York, who is a fully owned subsidiary of the um, teachers unions. We have got to take back our cities and lower taxes in cities. We have to lower crime rates in cities, and we have to improve the schools. In most inner cities in America today, as many as half of the children are not reading or doing math at grade-level proficiency. And that is a disaster for our country. It must change. It must change. So I wanted to give that perspective to you all so you kind of know where the best places to live right now and unfortunately they're not in the northeast they tend to be in the south and they tend to be in the mountain states and what i want to see is all states become freedom states i want new york to become a freedom state look at how rudy giuliani was able to turn around the city of new york and by the way i'm not always defending rudy giuliani it's some things he does i don't like but by getting back to the basics everybody knows in the 1990s how incredibly the city of New York improved. We need to do that in every city in America, a reformer, not a deformer running our cities. Every, the new census data that just came out shows that cities are losing population because they're run by radical left-wing Democrats, and that cannot continue. All right, folks, got a great show lined up today. We're going to take a quick break. We'll get to um, Ryan and Bob Payne and my Uh, I can't wait to interview them about how the financial markets are. And then at the bottom of the hour, I will take a few of your calls today on the More Money Hotline. I do have a special guest that I'll introduce in a few minutes. This is the More Money Show. The More Money Hotline is 1-800-848-9222. We'll be right back. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show on WBC Talk Radio, the number one talk radio station in these United States of America. It is time for our finance section where we talk about how we can make more money for you, our listeners. So let's talk to two of the best in the business, Bob and Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management. Uh, Bob, I want to start with you, if I may. Uh, good news on the inflation front. Uh, we're now down to 5% from nine percent almost a year ago will this trend continue and what does this mean for investors well you know steve it, the fed may have had it right but it was a year ago when they said <laughs> that this uh, inflation was transitory maybe it is after all because you know not only well, was depends, the cpi probably, depends on how you it depends on how, well, the definition of transitory is <laughs> that's exactly right yeah <laughs> But I'll tell you what, the big the big news of the week was the producer price index, what we call the PPI. The, yes. You know, final demand was only 2.7%. And to put that in perspective, we're down from 11%. That's a gigantic yeah. drop. It is. And what do you attribute that to? Well, I think inflation's coming down. I think we're starting yeah. to see, you know, the supply chain is, is not as disrupted as it was before. Right. Um, you know, we're seeing that, uh, you know, softening demand. As the, the Fed's doing their job, you know what they're trying to do is having an effect. Um, and now with the banking crisis, you're you're seeing you know credit tighten up a little bit more. So, you know it's uh, they're having their needed effect. I hope they they recognize that and don't go too far. That's the biggest concern right now. So, Ryan, what does this mean for investors? And I think Bob makes an important point. When I talk to uh, some of my uh, members, they're worried that the Fed may go too far and raise rates again. I guess I could live with a one more quarter percentage point increase, but do you think they should stop now where they're at? What's your, what would your advice be to the Fed? Yeah, well, I mean, I think 100% stop. I mean, they've already broken something in the financial system. We had, you know, two of the largest bank failures in history. <laughs> you know, so that should be a huge red flag uh, to continue right. the rate hiking, uh, you know, process. And as Bob said too, I mean, the fact that Lending standards probably are tightening a little bit. That's equivalent of having another rate hike by the Fed. So my best guess is I'm with you, Steve. If it's a quarter point, it's probably not the end of the world. But I think if they don't raise, I think markets are going to love that. Right. Um, and you have a lot of risk as an investor sitting on the sidelines. I mean, because we saw that producer price index come out yesterday or Thursday, right. rather. And I mean, man, the market ramped hard. So I think right. your bigger risk as an investor here is a big move to the upside. And if you're not in, or actually Bob and I have been saying, if you're not, if you're not long, you're wrong. <laughs> so I'm worried. I'm not quite as confident as you two gentlemen are that we've solved the inflation problem. I was reading a, uh, a directive from Larry Lindsay, a former uh, Fed uh, board member uh, whose advice I, I follow closely. And he worries <laughs> that the, um, you know, the gas prices, energy prices are starting to reverse course and starting to rise again. And he makes the point that that was not really reflected in the numbers mm -hmm. that came out the other day. 
So he worries that those inflation numbers may start to tick up again. Do either of you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think, first of all, oil went up because OPEC decided to cut production because they're seeing a global slowdown, Steve. They're, They're trying to, you know, protect their price. I think that might be temporary. I think they're, they're definitely going to see a slowing in the economy. I mean, we may already be in a recession, but what, you know, some economists call a rolling recession. It's going to hit different parts of the economy right. at different times. I mean, job openings dropped 632,000. Well, but right. there's still 9.9 million job openings. Yeah. So the economy <laughs> right. is right. still strong. <laughs> so here's the kind of conundrum as I see it. And that is that if you're right, that we're headed towards a soft recession. And, you know, um, who knows? Because the economists certainly don't know. They A lot of them predicted in the first quarter of this year we'd have a recession. We didn't. Uh, we're now looking at growth for the second quarter of somewhere maybe 2% or a little bit below that, which is not a recession. But if if we do go into a recession, then that clearly is going to affect Ryan earnings, right, because people aren't going to buy as much and companies aren't going to have the earnings that, you know, that uh, we hope for. And that, as my buddy Larry Cutler would say, you know, earnings are the mother's milk of the stock market. So what would that mean for investors? Um, I think the bottom line is, number one, like you just said, most strategists and analysts have believed we were going into recession, and they've all revised their earnings down pretty aggressively. Uh-huh. So I think your bigger risk here is, because remember, markets look out into the future, is, well, number one, it's, it's going to be a bad earnings season in general, right? We Earnings have come down. They're going to come down something right. like 5% this quarter. But when you get to the last quarter of this year, we're looking at like 10% earnings growth. And yeah. next year, we're looking at like 12% earnings growth, and that's based on a negative viewpoint from most of these strategists and economists. So I would argue your biggest risk here, Steve, is surprises in the positive just because so much negativity has already been priced in. Yeah. And just based on earnings estimates, I mean, earnings are going to start looking pretty good next year, and the market's <laughs> looking out to next year. It's nothing about this year. So another reason why you want to get invested today because what the market's telling you is the future is relatively bright. So I had a piece um, that I just published that uh, looks at the Biden budget uh, and I and, you know, his tax plan is just an incredible uh, crushing would be a crushing blow to investors. I mean, you're talking about a big increase in the capital gains tax, uh, a new tax on unrealized capital gains, an increase in the corporate tax rate, um, implying Medicare taxes to investment income. You know, and I estimate that on some, you know, for someone who invests a million dollars, they could actually pay a tax rate uh, when you include all these multiple tiers of taxes of, you know, 75 or 80 percent. And that is a huge deterrent to investing if it would happen. Now, the good news is the market doesn't think it is going to happen. But I wonder if you have any thoughts about that, because if Biden were reelected president, then maybe these ideas of just soak the rich and soak the investor could really have an impact on markets. Well, good news is, Steve, you can't pass this type of thing by uh, executive order. So we have, you know, thank goodness we, we have a, you know, a split government, um, which prevents uh-huh. some of these, you know, far left or far right, right. ideas from getting implemented. So, you know, they, uh, they can, they can dream all they want about taxing everybody to death, but that's not going to happen. Well, that's, that's very reassuring. Ryan, we got one minute left. I wonder if you have any, uh, last thoughts about the investment environment right now. Uh, there is a lot of talk about, um, 
you know, an earnings slump in the second quarter, but you seem to think that a lot of that's already priced into the market. So you're bullish. Yeah, I mean, if it's news, it's not news, Steve. Um, so that's number one. And number two, I think expect the unexpected. And this is why we diversify, because who would have thought this year the European markets are at an all-time high? They're outperforming the U.S. markets. The French stock market is the best-performing stock market in the world. Uh, this is why you've got to stay diversified, because who would have guessed, given the energy crisis going on in Europe, all the bad news coming out of Europe, and it's the best stock market return. You got to, as like Bob likes to say, he says, trust but diversify. That's what you got to do right now. I love it. Well, don't don't mention France on this show anymore because I'm so mad at <laughs> them for making a deal with the Chinese right now. They're not high on my list, but it's a great point. Uh, that's uh, Bob and Ryan Payne of Payne Capital Management. Gentlemen, thanks so much. As always, we'll be right back. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio. So, Bob, you know, at our firm here, Payne Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. We're a boutique firm here in New York City. We have an office in Philadelphia, Jacksonville, is we just spend all our time thinking about financial planning. And I think the one thing we've learned over the years is it's really about attention to detail. And one of the mistakes that we see a lot of you make is cutting corners when it comes to your financial planning. And a lot of times that can come back to haunt you later. So I thought we could talk today about some of the shortcuts that you might be taking that you shouldn't be taking to make sure that you secure your retirement. Hey, Rod, you know, first of all, for almost 50 years in the industry of helping people design financial plans and, and more importantly, their asset allocation, you know, 90% of every portfolio and plan I've reviewed, the investor was taking way more risk than necessary to achieve their financial goals. And as a result, Made a lot of mistakes. Yeah, and the biggest problem in our industry is most investments are sold, not bought. So what happens is you end up with all these products, and when you break them down, they have a lot of fees in them, and you end up with what we call this collection of investments, and that's a terrible way to structure your retirement plan. Well, Ryan, how do you know that that's what you're working with? You know, how do you know that this investment product that they're that's being sold? Uh, isn't appropriate. I mean, what, what are, what are the uh, red flags for someone listening to us right now? Well, I think first and foremost, like, is the person recommending you that investment? Is it in context of any sort of goals that you have or financial planning that you've done? Because if you're not doing the financial plan first and someone's just recommending investments, that's like the biggest red flag ever. That's putting the cart before the horse. And, you know, that's a real problem. So you got to really ask yourself, is the person I'm working with are we talking about financial planning? Are we talking about the income I need in retirement? Are we talking about a tax plan so that, you know, I'm only paying my fair share to the IRS? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because, you know, almost every single person that calls us and we meet with, uh, you know, from our show, they don't have a plan to share with us. We have to start from scratch. I mean, how is it possible to have so many financial professionals professing to be planners without doing planning? Bob, you know, my thought is they're lazy. <laughs> and I think talking about cutting corners, I think financial professionals cut the most corners when it comes to this industry. Because let's face it, like financial planning is not that much fun. It's a little bit dry, but like every decision you make, you know, it really has to be in context of goals. So, I mean, you've got to sit down, work with someone who's looking at what is your real budget? You know, what do you need to spend? Inflation, because cost of living is going to double over the next 20 years for you. I mean, these are all things that need to be accounted for up front, and it is a little bit of work, but that's the kind of work that has to get done before you make any investment decisions whatsoever. 
Well, I think that's the biggest issue, Ryan. I think the biggest thing I see right now is that we're all living longer. Uh, we're, we're healthier. We're, we're having great lives. There's more opportunity to do things. But one discussion that no one wants to seem to have is what's your health care going to cost going to be, especially near your end of life? Yeah, it's a great point. And, you know, estimations on that now are going to need like a quarter of a million dollars for health care costs. And I would venture to say that most of you, when you've run your financial planning, if you've done some financial modeling, haven't looked at like, what if a quarter of a million dollars came out of my portfolio in retirement? Would that affect the income that I can spend? I mean, these are real questions. And, you know, you really need to put that financial plan under the stress test. And a lot of you aren't doing that. You know, Ryan, that ties into not just financial planning, but also with your legal documents. You want to make sure that your will's up to date, your power of attorney. You have a power of attorney for your health, power of attorney for your money. You want to make sure that the beneficiaries are the people that you want to receive your money in your retirement accounts. You know, it's amazing. When you update a, a document after 10 years, you find out that you named a guardian for your children who happens to be a person you don't like anymore. So there's a lot of risk if you don't update your plan on a systematic basis. Yeah. And if you're thinking to yourself right now, okay, I get it. I'm cutting corners right now. I like, I don't have a real plan in place. I haven't updated my documents. I haven't really thought about a real income plan for retirement. Here's your shot to do it. We're down to four slots left. If you've saved over a million dollars for retirement, we'll keep them open for the rest of the show. If you call or text right now, Bob and I will run for you our now famous total financial master plan. And we'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We literally will go through everything. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We're going to build you your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's eye view of your entire financial picture, and just hone in on every issue you need to address today. You need that income plan for retirement. You need to factor in inflation. Your costs are going to double over the next 20 years. How do you draw from your portfolio? How do you take Social Security the right way and not run out of money? We're going to put together a full income game plan for you. We're going to look at diversification. Markets have been extremely volatile over the last year and a half. Have you felt that with your portfolio? Or have you been sitting in cash? Can't figure out what to do. Paralysis by analysis. We're going to help put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your wealth, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life. And we're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street just loves to sell you products that have high fees, like those annuities, mutual funds, brokerage products, structured products that are extremely tax inefficient, we're going to show you how to reduce all the costs on your portfolio and optimize it for taxes. It's not what you make. It's what you take. You're going to get our full tax playbook. We literally have four slots left if you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next four callers, you've saved over a million dollars for your retirement, our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will create for you your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation, no cost, no strings attached, but you won't have a plan if you don't text or call. 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, if you want to learn more about myself and Bob and our firm, Pain Capital Management, of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. Simply go to BeBullish.com. That's BeBullish.com. You can check out our podcast, Pain Points of Wealth. Simply go to BeBullish.com. Stay tuned. We got more, more money coming your way. Talk Radio 77. 
This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on the Street of Dreams, the major indices finished a listless week, not far from where they started, with below average daily trading volume and declining volatility. The Dow, however, notched its fourth straight positive week, rising 1.2%. The S&P 500 and the NASDAQ, meanwhile, snagged their fourth positive week in five. On the economic front, advanced retail sales in March showed consumer spending fell twice as much as expected. Retail sales declined by 1% last month, more than a half of 1% drop expected by economists, in part because consumers paid less for fuel. Now, the disappointing retail sales data offset excitement around two back-to-back reports this week, signaling cooling inflation. The March producer price index, a measure of prices paid by companies, declined a half of 1% from the prior month, even as economists expected prices to stay the same. Now, the PPI, which is considered a leading indicator of consumer inflation, bolstered a trend of easing inflation seen in the March Consumer Price Index report released on Wednesday. Consumer prices grew 5% on an annual basis, which was the smallest year-over-year increase in nearly two years. The tone started to change for the week on Friday when J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and Citigroup reported their first quarter results, marking the beginning of earnings season. So far, so good. J.P. Morgan and Citigroup finished up the day 7.6% and 4.8% respectively. Now, the next few weeks, investors will scrutinize how companies are dealing with persistent inflation and higher interest rates. The stakes are especially high for small to medium-sized banks following the failures of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature. Banks' balance sheets will be under greater scrutiny with investors on the lookout for potential deposit outflows as depositors have been shifting large sums from low-yielding bank savings accounts to higher-yielding treasuries insured CDs offered at wealth management firms like ours at Payne Capital Management. Now, according to the perma-bears and the pessimists, this week's kickoff to the corporate earnings season offers the next trial du jour for why the markets can't continue to rise. Since October of last year, when we believe the market's bottom, the naysayers have continued to sing their favorite tune, the bear market blues. What they fail to tell you is that by following their advice since October, you have missed a 15% return in U.S. stocks and a whopping 26% return in international stocks as many of the European stock markets are closing in on all-time record highs. Not to mention a monster rally in bond prices as the 10-year Treasury yield continues to fall. So if you're keeping score so far this year, it's been markets one, naysayers zero. Maybe, yes maybe, the naysayers will realize something I discovered decades ago, that the financial markets are smarter than all of us, and I mean all of us, with no exceptions. Hey, my son Ryan and I, we have 70 years of combined industry experience of building low-cost, tax-efficient, goal-based portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you need to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. 
So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is the More Money Show. I am so appreciative of uh, you, my audience, for giving us such great ratings. By the way, we are live. We are live. Unlike most radio stations on the weekend, all you get is these kind of recorded shows. Now, we're live, and we take your calls, and I'll be I'll squeeze in a few calls at the end of the show. The More Money Hotline, as you all know, is 1-800-848-9222. One more time, 1-800-848-9222, or an easier way to remember it is 1-800-848-WABC, the number one talk radio station in America. Um I will take a few of your calls at the end. I have a special guest that I want to bring on in a minute. But uh, if you call, I want to ask you, I want you to answer one of two questions. What, what does New York and New Jersey and Connecticut, what do they have to do to get back in the game? You know, why are these states so left wing right now? And the second thing I want to ask you about is how do you feel about the government basically outlawing gas cars in the next eight years? Are you in favor of that? Are you in favor of the the, uh, government telling you what kind of car you can buy? I'm against it. I'm a freedom guy. I believe in freedom to choose, but I'd love to hear from you. By the way, if you're in favor of that policy, I especially want to hear from you. I want to hear you justify why we have to get rid of gas-powered cars in America. After all, the automobile is the most liberating invention in the history of mankind. Maybe, maybe. If it's not number one, it's certainly in the number top five. Well, talking of, speaking of, liberating people and people believe in liberty and freedom. I'm so pleased to bring on my uh, guest for this afternoon, Adam Angievsky, who is a longtime friend, but he has just built up the most amazing organization that I want to make sure every one of my listeners is aware of called OpenTheBooks.com. And I think most of you know about OpenTheBooks.com. What they do is investigate what happens to these trillions of dollars that, that uh, we send to Washington. What happens to that money? I mean, where does all those trillions of dollars go? Where's the waste? Where's the fraud? Where's the abuse? Well, Adam is like a one-man sleuth. I know he's got dozens and dozens of people working with him to uncover the incredibly wasteful ways our government spends money. Adam, thanks for joining me this afternoon. Steve, great to be on the program. Thanks for having me back. 
All right. I want to I know you've done a lot. I want to hear about some of your more recent reports, but I want to go back to one that you've been on the top of for at least five years. And I know you continue to update this, but it's very topical and timely right now, Adam, because, as you know, as we speak, the Biden administration is trying to add uh, something like 80,000 new IRS agents. And they've already started hiring thousands of new snoops, people who will investigate every private a financial transaction we make, I think even up to as little as $600. But you found that the IRS also has munitions, has weapons. Uh, I, why do they need that? And tell us about what you found. So all the way back to 2016 on the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal, uh-huh. then uh, the honorary uh, chairman of OpenTheBooks.com, the legendary former U.S. Senator from Oklahoma, Dr. Tom Coburn, and I, right. we co-authored an op-ed at the Wall Street Journal called Why Does the IRS Need Guns? So since 2016, <laughs> right. you know, since 2016, we've been the subject matter expert on this. From 2006, incredibly, through 2019, the IRS purchased $21 million worth of guns, ammunition, and military-style equipment. And if you break that down, it's, it's actually pretty stunning. If there's the IRS, well, like, wait, what, is, what do they got? I mean, when you say they have they have munitions, like they don't have uh, military weapons, do they? Or they do. Yeah, they've got uh, they, they've huh. got at least <laughs> they've got 15 submachine guns. They, oh, they have God. 621 shotguns, 539 long barrel rifles. <laughs> In their gun locker, they hold 4,600 guns, and they've stockpiled. God. Five million rounds of ammunition for use oh by God. their thirty-one hundred special agents. Why well, would I mean this is mis- this is very troubling, folks? I hope you're listening to this. Why in the world would the Internal Revenue Service, which is supposed to be able to help you do your taxes, why would the IRS need guns and munitions and ammunition? I mean, this is a scary thing. Well, it is okay. So if you we just took a look, we'll just. Talk about this right and break the news right on your program here, Steve. We took a look at how many police departments exist in the United States, and there's about 12,200. And so we took a look at the head counts of those police departments. And so we know the IRS has 2,100 special agents. That would put the IRS in the top 75 largest police departments in the country. Wow. Wow. And they, why do they need guns? <laughs> why, would, why would they need to turn their guns on the American people? I mean, you, you, in other words, if you get something wrong on your uh, tax form, they're going to come to your bang on your door with a machine gun. So I think this goes back to a conversation you and I had a couple of years ago. I still yeah. remember it, Steve. I, I mean, do too. the conversations we have are great. Uh, and, and you made the observation when we talked about the militarization of non-Department of Defense rank-and-file traditional regulatory and paper-pushing agencies like the IRS. And you made the observation that, and this was back in the Obama years, that they are trying to criminalize what used right. to be white-collar crimes. So whether you, whether you have the, you know, right. the 150 agents right. over at the EPA or whether you have the armed agents over at the Department of Education or the Social Security right. Administration. Wait, 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 wait. wait hold, on, hold on, hold on, stop there. Hold, hold, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Did you say the Department of Education has guns? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, how many of these agencies have guns? 76 outside of the <laughs> DOD and, and outside of the Justice, Justice Department and Homeland Security. 
You've got. So you're not. Hold on. Hold on. I get it. I want to make sure I, my my listeners understand what you're saying. So you're not talking about the Defense Department. You're not talking about the Coast Guard or our Army or our armed forces or even you know the uh, federal um, Secret Service or the FBI. Right. You're talking about domestic agencies that have guns. Uh, I mean, I just find this to be bewildering. I mean, first of all, we don't have enough uh, people at the border, right? We don't have, uh, there's a whole movement across the uh, the country in terms of left-wing cities of defunding the police and taking away their guns. But you're you're saying the IRS and the Department of Education, what about the Department of Energy or the EPA? Do they have guns? Yeah, all of them. All of them that you just mentioned, the Department of Veterans Affairs. So this is actually a good case example. Uh, through 1996, so for the first, you know, 220 years of the Republic, the VA didn't have a police force. But over the course right. from ni- from 1996 till now, now they have 4,000 officers <laughs> with arrested firearm authority. They purchased 11 million rounds of ammunition just between 2006 and 2019. That's uh, equivalent to 3,000 rounds <laughs> for each one of their 4,000 officers. God. They've purchased right, so camouflage is, again, uniforms, riot helmets, shields, yeah. specialized enhancement devices, and tactical lighting. Oh my God. I mean, this, these are so, well-armed forces. Right. So this is an important. I want people to understand what we're talking about here. By the way, I'm fast, talking to Adam Andrzejewski, who is the CEO of OpenTheBooks.com. And by the way, if you want a learning experience and you want to get a little depressed, go to his website and see the way that the government is wasting money. But Adam, a lot of people don't really understand why we have a second amendment, which is the right to bear arms. And I, look, I'm not crazy about guns. I'm, I'm for, you know, for some common sense restrictions on guns, but if the government has guns and the private <laughs> citizens don't have guns, right. I mean, isn't this the reason we have a second amendment is to protect yeah, it is. from the government. And so yeah, it's not to go uh, deer hunting, right. Yeah, yeah, it's so, true. I mean, now, now, so what we're going to have, what we're going to have, is all the government officials have guns, and if, in, in the liberal playbook, none of the private citizens have guns, and that's where we're at. So we we yeah. crunched the latest numbers, and outside again, outside of the Department of Defense, there are now two hundred thousand federal officers with arrest and firearm wow. authority, and that number exceeds the number of United States Marines at one hundred and eighty-six thousand. God. You know why this is scary to me, is a, just personally scary, is I am, you know, guilty, apparently, of a federal felony. I work for Donald Trump. <laughs> and, I, you know, I'm, I'm saying that kind right. of half acidly, but no. I, have friend, right. I have friends, Adam, who work for Donald Trump, did economic analysis or social policy analysis, and they had federal agents with machine guns come to their door oh. in the middle of the night, like, you know, the a Russian... KGB knocking on their door, arresting them in handcuffs with guns in their faces. So I'm sorry, folks. I find this to be deeply, deeply disturbing. It is deeply disturbing. Let's just take another uh, case example here, Dr. Anthony Fauci. So at the start of the pandemic, Fauci got death threats, and rightly he requested a a security detail, which was provided. Okay, so that security detail would normally be handled by a law enforcement agency, the United States Marshals, not in this case. Health and Human Services has an inspector, Office of Inspector General. They're supposed to be the ones holding Fauci and the other bureaucrats accountable, but they also have up to 500 special agents. They got authorization from the U.S. Marshals to provide the security detail for Fauci. So the very people supposed to be holding him accountable were actually protecting him. 
Amazing. All right. I want to, because I don't have you for all that much time. I mean, that's an amazing report. Thank you. And w- do you continue to update that report, Adam? Or Over the course of the next two weeks, we're going to break all the, all the newly updated uh, purchases by the rank and file oh. federal agencies during oh, the pandemic. God. Okay. I can't wait. Well, can I have you on to discuss yeah. that when that comes out? Uh, but I want to, I want to hear some of, of your, uh, oh, we've got about five minutes left. What, what, new reports do you have on waste and inefficiency? And if you look at, in particular, I'm, I'm just pulling my hair out about how many tens and tens, if not hundreds of billions of dollars of COVID money uh, went to waste, fraud, and abuse. What are you finding? So we've estimated for the prior 18 months that up to a half trillion dollars of COVID aid was stolen. It's the largest public <laughs> fraud in the history of the country. Stolen by criminals, crime artists, and crime syndicates from around the world. Steve, it's an open question whether the. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, military... I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry to, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just want to make sure I ho- heard you right because these numbers are mind boggling. Did you say a half a billion or half a trillion? Half trillion. So $500 billion. When I first so, came to Washington in the early 80s, the whole budget was $500 billion a year. I mean, <laughs> right. what the hell is going on here? Exactly. And so the, you know, after that crime spree, literal crime spree, where basically nobody's lost their job, hardly anybody's been prosecuted, and there's been hardly any clawback of the largesse, uh, President Biden in his budget just posited a tax hike. The audacity of the president. Right. Right. So they stole $500 billion was stolen, and they don't want to go after those fraudsters uh, who stole the money, stole your and my money. But they do want to raise taxes on us to pay for all of this. I mean, again, folks, this is a really important conversation we're having here because it shows how crazy and out of control our government is in Washington. And half a trillion dollars. I mean, half a, I'd be outraged if it was half a billion dollars. Right. We're talking about half a trillion, trillion with 11 zeros. And, you know, is anybody doing anything about this? I know that my friend Jason Smith, who runs the House Ways and Means Committee, is trying to do some right. fraud prevention, but it doesn't sound like the Biden people have any interest in this. Yeah, and the, and the number's probably higher than that. I'll break down the $500 yeah. billion dollars of, okay. of fraud yeah. right now. Uh, so $100 a billion of it is already admitted to in the Paycheck Protection Program, and right. then $400, $400 billion of it is an estimate, and it's probably a light estimate, and it's it's on the unemployment security checks that were, oh, that that were, unbelievable. That were mailed out. A lot of those and people don't even live in the United stolen. States, Adam, right? A lot of those people live in Russia or in China or in, you know, Mexico. Right. So in other words, the money didn't even flow in the United States. It went across the border to other nations. You're right. So it's an open question whether the Chinese military hackers funded an entire year of their military budget, which would be $200 billion worth of our stolen unemployment checks. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Russians. Their military budget's $80 billion, and it's an open question as to whether Russian hackers stole enough of our unemployment aid to fund their budget for an entire year. Look, it was so bad that in California, $1 billion of unemployment aid was stolen by people already in prison, including those on death row. Oh, my God. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, when I testified before the Wayne's and Main Committee a few months ago, um, I mentioned uh, these, some of these numbers about how much was stolen from the unemployment benefit program, from the food stamp program. Of course, 
PPP. You know, th- this was just basically the money was just being dropped out of, you know, helicopter windows and every, whoever could grab the money just took a hold of it, whether they needed it or not. And when I mentioned this to the members of Congress, the Democrats, you know what they said? Well, we spent a lot of money in a hurry. And if you spend that much money, you're going to have some fraud. That was their attitude. <laughs> I know. OK, so it gets worse. So every single year, by law, the 20 largest federal programs are mandated by Congress to report their mistaken and improper payments. And outside of COVID aid, you know what they admitted to just last year? $280 billion of mistaken and improper Hold on. I, you're not including the COVID. You're talking about other programs now. Now, yeah, separate than, from yeah. the COVID aid that was stolen, yeah. the half right. trillion, yeah. the 20 largest programs admitted to mistaken and improper payments of nearly $300 billion last year alone. So you've got the COVID fraud. You've got the admission from the 20 largest federal programs. I mean, and then you have Biden saying he wants to hike our taxes. Get real. Yeah. I mean, again, this is deeply, deeply disturbing because, folks, we have a government that is out of control, that is spending so many hundreds of billions of dollars each year that nobody's minding the store. Nobody is minding the store. There is no there's some effort by these inspector generals to try to find the fraud. But even when they discover it, it seems to me, Adam, they don't do. How many people have been arrested for covid fraud? I mean, roughly. I mean, because there must have uh, been hundreds probably hundreds, but but. Tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, participated in the fraud. So it's a drop in the bucket. Yeah, it's a, it's sickening. Okay, any what? Give me. We got a few minutes left. What 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 right. else have you got coming? Yeah, I mean, let's just go right to earmarks. Uh, look, the currency <laughs> is. <laughs> oh my God, you're depressing me. Okay, I thought we got rid of earmarks 20 years ago. <laughs> we did. The Republicans <laughs> took a secret vote and brought them back. Oh, God. So, folks, again, I want, I want to make sure I want to punctuate what Adam, Adam Anchievsky of uh, Open the Books is saying. It's not just Democrats. It's Republicans who are sucking at the federal pit, too. And it is it, it's like a disease in Washington. And until we put big, meaningful spending caps in place to prevent the massive entourage of government spending, we're going to see a continued avalanche of your and my money being going to criminals and fraudsters and people who don't deserve it are not eligible for the programs. Um, so go ahead. Again, I'm so frustrated, yeah, but I'm glad you're illuminating us. So on the on the omnibus year-end spending bill that passed, you had yep. seven out of the top ten earmarkers that were Republicans. You actually oh, had the Republican. You had the Republican Congressional Caucus in Texas out earmarking their Texas Democratic colleagues. Same thing in Florida. You had yep. you had the ranking uh, Senate appropriator uh, who is retiring, Shelby out of Alabama, earmarked thirty million dollars to his alma mater, the University of Alabama, who's also so, going to host Adam, the Adam, hold on again, Adam. So define because some of our listeners may not know what that term earmark means. So just. Define what and I call it slices of bacon for the districts, but explain what an earmark <laughs> is. A, I love that. I'm going to write it down, Steve. That's a great <laughs> pithy description. Uh, so it's you know we say they're pork they're uh, pork barrel projects handed out in a member's district to legally bribe them for their vote on these big massive <laughs> oh spending my bills. So it's the gateway drug to these massive spending bills, and pork is back on the table because Republicans 
for the last two years took a secret vote to join Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats to bring the oh, practice back. Uh, all right, Adam, how do people um, find out more about Open the Books? Just come to the website, openthebooks.com. When you do, you'll be hit with a pop-up to your email address that puts you on yeah. our breaking news subscriber list. Okay. Uh, awesome, Adam. Well, um, keep up the good work. You're a one-man police force, but you don't have guns, right? They do, but you don't. <laughs> so, thank you for exposing the fraud, folks. It is, it is it, This is an institution that Adam started out of, I think, out of his basement a few years ago, and now it's the number one fraud prevention uh, and detection agent. It's doing what the government is supposed to do. So, Adam, saluting you for the great job you do. All right, Mr. Producer, uh, our more money hotline again is 1-800-848-9222 we got a few minutes to take a few calls mr producer do we have any people waiting on the line yeah first up we have tony from clifton hi tony thanks for calling hi steve wonderful show two things two thoughts number one me first in terms of all the fraud the irs is countering that the covid fraud would audit your irs uh, federal income tax fraud, because I did get a letter. I don't know if any of your other callers got right. it, which basically said we're auditing your return for certain things. We'll get back to you in 90 days. And if that wasn't you who filed the claim, uh, contact our fraud department. But that's wow. funny. I, I'm not worried about that. Number two, your piece on where people are moving from and to uh, is excellent. Yeah. Now, you. when people go to the polls, they need to have that little cheat card handy because okay. some of the people who we're losing, not all, but a nice percentage, and we'll take every vote we can get, is coming from people who may not understand that the reason things aren't so good in their state and the reason they may have to leave is because of their legislatures and senators yeah. and congressmen. Now, where, by the way, where so, do you live? Do you live in New York? I live in Clifton, New Jersey, but I worked in New York City many years. Okay. I'm off of W seventy seven WABC, so I'm you know, not pro- honorary. Right. The problem for these two states, thank you, Tony, great call. The reason that uh, New York and New Jersey have become so hopeless politically is all the Republicans have moved to Florida. I mean, Lee Zeldin would be the the governor today of New York if all the Republicans hadn't moved out of the state. It's a really troubling thing. Okay, Mr. Producer, can we squeeze in one or two more? Yeah, let's go to Eric in Florida. Eric, where? From Florida? Eric, where are you? Tom Coast, Florida. <laughs> okay. How do you get this show? How are you getting it? I uh, get it off uh, WABC.com. Oh, uh, fantastic. Well, they, I told people that we – I always tell people we go far so far as – as Georgia, but now we got people calling in from Florida. Well, you are one of the top ten states in the country, maybe in the top eight. Great governor. What have, what's on your mind, sir? Well, I'm, I um, uh, I, I want the Republicans to be a little bit tougher. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, when they when they talk about inflation, they should call it yeah. an inflation tax on the middle class. Yes. Yes. Exactly. And you know, as far as um, maybe Trump doesn't do it, maybe he has like a Lee Outwater type uh, that 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 that's, that's a bruiser, you know what I mean? Um, and yeah. um, you know, uh, d- deliver that that hard message because I mean, uh, the Democrats are ruining the country. They, they, it, it, it's just it's heartbreaking. It truly is to see 
day after day after day. We're back on a path, folks, to borrowing another $2 trillion this year. We should be, uh, we should probably be running a bunch of surplus. I mean, COVID is over. The crisis is over. How about running a surplus and paying off some of that debt, the $33 trillion? Instead of paying off the $33 trillion, Biden is, is, has a course in the next eight or nine years. We're going to be at $50 trillion. I mean, this is financial madness, folks. Great call. Uh, Mr. Producer, who's next? Next is Judy from NYC. Judy, thanks for calling. Uh, Yes, sir. Thank you. To help New York City and uh, other uh, and New Jersey and other states, I would suggest that you uh, require all candidates and incumbents in office to uh, answer a questionnaire and sign it so that we the people know what we're getting. Uh, And number two, you know what they're going to do? They're going to lie. I know, but then let's have a recall. (laughs) I love it. Okay. Got got 30 more seconds. What else you got? Okay. And the other is to request that Congress uh, reevaluate and perhaps disengage with the Paris Accord and the Millennium Agreement that is giving us all these rules. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, great call. By the way, Donald Trump moved us out of the Paris Climate Accords, and, of course, Joe Biden put us back in. Okay, I think we have time. Can we squeeze in one more call, Mr. Producer? Yeah, let's do uh, Walker in New Jersey. Walker from New Jersey. Thanks for calling. Steve, good afternoon. Uh, You had a choice between the Model T Ford, a horse, a Harley-Davidson, a steam car, an electric car. The marketplace gave us the automobile. And the marketplace is still very much alive. Ask Anheuser-Busch. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, the market, I'm not so sure the marketplace is alive, uh, sir, if the government prohibits the automakers from making gas cars. That's what we were talking about on the Larry Kudlow show earlier. Uh, I want to be loud and clear on this. I've got a bullhorn in my <laughs> – I wish I had a bullhorn. But folks, they want to make it illegal for the car companies to make traditional cars in this country that we've been driving for damn near 100 years and they want to force people to buy an electric car. By the way, we're not going to have enough electric power for these things. If the battery dies, you got to pay another $20,000 to get a new one. It costs $75,000 to buy these cars. People can't afford them. There are a lot of reasons they don't want them. I'm not against electric vehicles, but I've, I'm going to say this loud and clear. I think that we need to have freedom of choice, and the government is taking it away from us. Mr. Producer, can we squeeze in one more? Yes, we can. Real quick, let's go to Joe in Passaic, New Jersey. Joe, we got 60 seconds, sir. Um, what I want to say, we ought to get out of a lot of these organizations, which are nothing more than yes. money grabbers. Get the hell out of the United Nations, the World yes. Bank, and the IMF. Yes. yes. Oh, my God. Great call. <laughs> this is why I, I love having our callers, because we've got so many smart people. And I agree 100 percent, sir. Why, and by the way, why are we giving all this money to NATO now? When Did you see what it, what uh, what uh, France did in, in Mitterrand? I mean, Mitterrand. <laughs> I'm thinking about the past. Uh, Macron. Macron is basically siding with the Chinese over the United States. And we're paying for the defense, folks. I say never again. I say put America first. It worked for Donald Trump. And I don't know if it's going to be DeSantis or Donald Trump or who it's going to be, but we want a president who puts America's interests first. Folks, have a great weekend. I'll be back same time next weekend. This is the More Money Show on WABC Talk Radio.